Well, would you look at that? After a long offseason, after talking about realignment and everything off the field with college football, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome you to the season premiere of Sunday, Bloody Sunday, here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. This is a subsidiary of the Matt Berry Show. It's the Sunday, Bloody Sunday version. Here's what we do for those who aren't familiar with how we attack the college football Saturday. Each and every morning on Sunday morning, when I am filled with what I call the Sunday stupids, I got into uh, the studio yesterday, I think at about 11.30 a.m. We walked at around 2 a.m. I can't even do the math because it's so stupid on a Sunday. But we come in Sunday morning. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Brain is fried. I sound like Larry King from talking all day and getting no sleep. So what we do is together, we, we get a Bloody Mary or a cocktail of your choice, a beer, a mimosa, whatever, and we recap the Saturday that wasn't college football. I also give you a brief description of what's going on in the Bloody Mary today, which I will, as always. I got this Nashville hot spicy mix going today. I put my standard sriracha in there. If you don't know me, you're going to get to learn that I love spice. So I made this one extra spicy. I put Tabasco and Sriracha in there. Also, in the toothpick of love, I've got homemade pickles, courtesy of my girl, Lindsay, the now retired hairstylist to the stars. And then a pepperoncini in the middle to give that extra kick of spice. So once you dip that in there, the toothpick dip, it makes everything. I'm going to let that marinate while we talk a little ball. Um, and by the time this is done... It'll be the best drink I have all day. So that's what we do here on Sunday, Bloody Sunday, after a busy Saturday in college football, and today will be no different. Topic number one that I want to get into, because it really dominated the storylines throughout the offseason. It was Deion Sanders, it was Coach Prime, going from Jackson State to Colorado. He's the best marketer in college football history, maybe in sports history. There's no one that markets themselves better than Deion Sanders. And I was one of those that thought, okay, he's coming from the FCS level. His competition wasn't the best. Shador was a highly rated recruit coming out of high school. Travis Hunter, we know, was the number one overall group, de recruit, decommitted from Florida State, followed Prime to Jackson State, and then followed him to Colorado. That we knew. We knew all of that. We didn't know how it was going to translate. And it was the discussion throughout the offseason. Can Deion, can Deion coach? Can Dion do this? Can he do it in a power five? Can he do it against real opponents? Can his players do it against real opponents? The 87 plus players that he brought in on a roster flip, his Louis luggage, he brought it. Can all of this work? I wasn't a doubter, but I wasn't on board as a full-time believer. I've said this a million times about Coach Prime. I go down rabbit holes on his social media and I'll watch it and be like, oh my God. I'm in. Like, I'm in and watch. I think his content is phenomenal. And when you start watching it, you kind of start like, his messages are good. How he treats his players is good. He's a hard-nosed, old school, we're going to do it my way. But how is it going to translate? I can tell you right now, the Sunday after them going in as three touchdown underdogs to Fort Worth and beating TCU, who, by the way, played for the national championship last year, who, by the way, we know lost a lot of talent. I believe in Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, and how he builds a program. We've got a full schedule 
throughout the season to determine how this is going to go. By no means is anyone sitting here saying that Colorado is going to win the Pac-12. No one's saying that. And if you are, good. I mean, you're excited about it. I am merely making the point that after one offseason and one game, first of all, if anyone had any doubt about the bona fides of Shador and Travis Hunter, this Dylan Edwards true freshman kid, get those out of there. Those guys, you're going to hear from them all season long. But in terms of the Deion Sanders way, the Deion Sanders structure, the Deion Sanders, here's how I'm going to run my program. If you don't like it, get the hell off. I believe in what he's doing. I firmly believe after week one. He went into his press conference yesterday talking about receipts. I've kept receipts. I've got receipts. He doesn't need to check a receipt with me because I was never out there saying this isn't going to work. I thought it would take time. But I will tell you after what I saw on Saturday against TCU, the way that he's doing it, completely different than anything we've ever seen in college football history, you better get on board now. Because we'll talk about it with Paul Feinbaum. We did discuss with Paul Feinbaum about the recruiting. One of the biggest things coaches have to do is get their team to believe. That's it. You just have to have your team believe. Ted Lasso style. Believe, sign in the locker room. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. Dion's done that. And if recruits are looking around the country and they see the social media, Coach Prime is a bona fide superstar on and off the field. If they start looking and like, wait a second, I like the uniforms. I like the look. I like the swagger. And if he's starting to get kids that would normally look at Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, this thing could be explosive. And I'm just excited at the potential. I've said it before. If you watch the Matt Berry show in the preseason, how loaded we think the Pac-12 is. In their final year, which makes it sad, that's a whole other show. Michael Penix, he showed out on Saturday. Five touchdown passes. Heisman Trophy candidate. Washington's good. USC is really, really good. They Caleb had another five or six touchdowns on Saturday to pad his Heisman stats. Utah is really, really damn good. They took care of Florida on Thursday night. These are the teams that we know. Oregon State, no one wants to mess with Oregon State. Trust me on this one. UCLA, although close, they got to win top to bottom. This conference is really good. If you throw Colorado into that mix with the national attention, sit back and watch the Pac-12 because to me, outside of the SEC, top to bottom now, it's the best conference in the league. And so to have them doing what they did yesterday uh, on a national stage, I am a full believer in the Deion Sanders blueprint of how he, it's not for everybody, but for how he decided he wanted to build uh, that Colorado program, and he did so with the win yesterday. Scrolling through a couple of other storylines I want to get to as we as we sip on our Bloody Mary. Uh, the big game, North Carolina, South Carolina, that was last night, Battle of the Carolinas. You got one in Columbia, Garnet and Black. You got one in Powder Blue. Uh, in Carolina Blue, they'll yell at me for that, in Chapel Hill. And Drake May, he was one of the players, if not for Caleb Williams, would probably be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. That's not to say some team won't value him at that. Uh, But they did what they needed to do to get the win. It was one of the more marquee games on Saturday because there was a lot of blowouts around the country. Some of the top teams were playing weaker teams, and they did what they had to do. In fact, we did a highlight on college football final last night Forgive me if I get this wrong. If you watch this show, you'll know what the Sunday stupids are, but I believe it was Ole Miss 
or oh yeah, Ole Miss, Oregon, and Oklahoma, and the points that they hung. We did a three rung highlight of those games. I think the total combined points from those schools that they scored was 227. So there were a lot of points on the board. All of this is to say back to North Carolina, South Carolina, that it was just one of those good games uh, with two teams that were coming off different seasons. South Carolina momentum, uh, beating Clemson, beating Tennessee, North Carolina sliding a little bit. And after last night, uh, Drake May, he's got Paysor, he's got some weapons, he's got the tight end Morales, he's got a great stable of running backs. And if, if what we saw is legit out of that North Carolina defense, you now have to put the Tar Heels in there with Florida State and Clemson. You just have to. Uh, they went in there, and I know South Carolina's offensive line. I don't know if that's a trend of things to come. But if that defensive line and defensive unit Gene Chizik has is legit, ACC is going to scratch another team that you have to contend with. Other side of it, I was surprised by the Gamecocks. Every time they tried to get into it, they kind of stubbed their toe a little bit. Uh, so cheers to Mac Brown. By the way, we also cheer some good storylines, and we'll do that right now because cheers to Mac Brown. A hundred wins at North Carolina, a hundred plus wins at Texas. Only FBS coach to ever have a hundred wins at two separate programs. So cheers uh, to Mac Brown for getting that done yesterday against South Carolina. Another prevailing storyline coming into the first Saturday of the college football season: which quarterback questions were going to be answered? Because going in. If you looked at the top five teams, if you looked at number one in Georgia, they had a quarterback question in Carson Beck, Stetson Bennett off to the NFL, won back-to-back national championships. I thought he was good. I thought he did what he had to do to get Georgia the win. They beat UT Martin 48-7, to Beck 294 yards and a touchdown. They kind of slept, walked their way through it. I'm not worried. There's no reason to be concerned about Georgia. They've got enough guys coming back. And UT Martin didn't score till late in that game. We will learn more about Carson Beck as the season goes on. The other team that had a question mark at quarterback. You look at Ohio State with Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Buka, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams. You could argue this team is as low to Julian Fleming. They have so much skill at the at the skill positions at receivers, running backs, and tight ends. You just needed a quarterback that could distribute. And they elected to start Kyle McCord. He was 239 yards and an interception. Didn't throw a touchdown pass. Didn't get the star receivers involved. Ohio State gets the win 23-3 over Indiana. It's a conference win. I'm not going to jump off Ohio State. I think it's fool's gold to sit here and say, well, they struggled. They're not going to be as good as we thought. I just don't know that they did enough to convince people like that's the second best team in the country. Because big picture – Actually, it's my fault. Dollar for Matt. They're ranked third. Big picture. If they get it going, if they find a way to get that talent, the football, you can't sit here and tell me there isn't anybody as talented, if not more talented than Ohio State. So Kyle McCord's going to be one to watch. I say check for, for Georgia and Carson Beck because you can tell it's there. We've got to table the discussion with Ohio State and Kyle McCord for now just because we don't know enough yet. Devin Brown also got in the game. I think that's going to be a quarterback competition that weaves its way through the season until it clicks. Because if it clicks, look out, Ohio State's loaded. Another quarterback question we needed to see answered. 
and we've talked about it at length here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. I've talked about it at length on Sports Center and on College Football Final. Is is Alabama? You look at Nick Saban and his lineage of what he's done at quarterbacks. It's changed over the past six, seven years because he's taken these quarterbacks and made them in a first round NFL draft picks. In some cases, the number one overall draft pick. And they've gone on to great success in the NFL. Bryce Young, number one overall pick for the Carolina Panthers. Jalen Hurts, although he transferred, was at Alabama. He's doing amazing things for the Philadelphia Eagles. Mac Jones was a first-round pick of the New England Patriots. Tua Tungavailoa, first-round pick of the Miami Dolphins. So point being, he takes quarterbacks, moves them to the NFL. The one thing we didn't know uh, for the first time in a long time is who the next quarterback was going to be. Because every time a guy left Alabama to go to the NFL – Oh, Tua's up. Mac Jones is up. This guy's up. Bryce Young, we did. We knew. We didn't know that coming into Saturday. But here's what we know after seeing Jalen Milrow in his first start as Alabama's quarterback. He does things these past Alabama quarterbacks cannot. And that's what makes this frightening. Because for the first time since those guys that I listed off, Mac Jones wasn't a runner. Tua could get out of his own way, but not really a runner. If you look at that list, I'd say probably Jalen Hurts was probably the only guy that you had to contend for with his feet in addition to his arm. But he wasn't built like Jalen Milrow, that's why this is different. And I think Alabama has answered the quarterback question with, okay, here's our guy. This is the guy that we're going to trot into Texas. We saw Tyler Buckner late in the game. But Milrow is someone who you're going to have to keep an eye on. Because he was a relative unknown outside of the Southeastern Conference, especially in Alabama. But he's a player, a la Joe Milton at Tennessee, that if they start harnessing that athletic ability and start comprehending the offense and what they're trying to do, you got to watch out. We're going to know a lot more about Milrow after Saturday when they take on Texas. And so some three quarterback questions that I wanted to hit on uh, going into the season, mixed results. Milrow nailed it. McCord, little bit of a question mark. So we'll see the rest of the guys, how they can get in there. And Carson Beck, I think when you look at them, they're going to be fine over the past, over the course of the season. All right. We're going to wrap up Sunday, bloody Sunday with a couple of cheers. Cause we like cheers and some great performances uh, from Saturday, by the way, the way that this toothpick has just been sitting in here. Well, it's going to be special. Cheers. Number one, Texas state. Here's why I'm cheering Texas State. G.J. Kinney, their head coach, took over for Jake Spavital, who was let go. He brings in a transfer quarterback who started T.J. Finley, Auburn, LSU, SEC, comes to Texas State. They were 27.5-point underdogs to Baylor. Texas State, for the first time since 2012, beat an FBS opponent. Think about that. They joined FBS in 2012. Sorry, Power 5. They joined FBS in 2012, but they hadn't beaten a Power 5 opponent since they joined FPS. FBS. Cheers to Texas State. You got in there. You took on Dave Aranda and Baylor, and you got your first win against a Power 5 opponent since 2012. That's like 17 cheers is good for you. Another cheers. This one happened late. We had it on college football final. But if you weren't paying attention, there was a weather delay in Laramie. Um, so it started a little bit late. But Texas Tech, under Joy McGuire, was a trendy, trendy, trendy team to win the Big 12. 
They went up to Laramie as 14-point favorites. They got beat by Wyoming in double overtime. It was one of the more entertaining games on an otherwise not too entertaining Saturday. That Craig, but all he does is make you believe. I talked about belief with Dion. Wyoming's one of those schools. If you're a power five, I would never, ever, ever, ever schedule to go up to Laramie and play Wyoming. Because now Texas Tech figured it out. Look, everything's still in front of them. They could still win the Big 12. But cheers to Wyoming. They were down 17-0 at one point. They found their way back into the game, and they won in double overtime. So those are some of the standout performances uh, from Saturday with some teams that perhaps you didn't think would get it done. A couple of uh, Matt's notes real quick that I want to touch on. Michigan, J.J. McCarthy, Roman Wilson, Blake Corum looked good. Thoughts and prayers with Jim Harbaugh and his family as they go through this difficult time. Snark if you didn't pick up on it. Caleb Williams, five touchdowns. They beat Nevada 66-14. Pac-12, I mentioned a second ago, is loaded. I do want to get into this. Well, Craig Drew Aller, he's the five-star stud for Penn State. Anyone who knows Penn State football and follows Penn State football, the James Franklin era has been a mixture of up and downs. It's always been, do they have that quarterback to get us to the next level? We know they've got the running backs. Their running backs are loaded. We know they've got those guys coming back. Singleton's awesome. Uh, Lambert Smith, the receiver, awesome. The defense, many people think that it's the best defense they've had in the James Franklin era, but the quarterback. Well, Drew Aller showed out against West Virginia. 325 yards and three touchdowns. They beat him 38-15. West Virginia is just sneaky enough of an opening game where you've got to be on your A game, and they did so. So Penn State... A lot of hype coming into the season. That Big Ten East is loaded with Michigan and Ohio State. Penn State needs to be in that conversation. They look to be that good this year. That game, though, if you're into this kind of thing and you're into the the point spreads, they, Penn State, this was one of them, I'm sure SVP will do it. This was one of the kicking the footballs, backdoor cover bands you'll ever see. I had West Virginia plus the points. And that was in. It was in. It was a 16-point game towards the end of the game. And instead of taking a damn knee, James Franklin, with time, the clock's winding. We're under 15 seconds. We're under 10 seconds. Rather than take a damn knee and let the plus points for West Virginia hit, he scores with six seconds left that meant nothing, anything, other than covering the spread. And so... Not cheers for James Franklin. Cheers for getting the win and Drew Aller. But come on, let the plus people get a win. We were sitting there watching in studio and there was just a loud groan because of that touchdown. I'm sure the Las Vegas sports books were doing the same thing. But overall, I'm very impressed with Penn State. And overall, on a Saturday, I'd give it on the spice level. If like a 10's the spiciest, meaning like a really, really great Saturday and one's kind of a dormant, there's no spice at all. Based on Colorado and the Texas State and the Wyoming, let's give it about a, a six on the spice level. Like six is good. No, nah, no, 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 that's too generous. Five. We're going to give it a five. LSU and Florida State can change that on Sunday night. Clemson and Duke can get that spice level up, but we're going to give it a five for now. The season opening edition of Sunday Bloody Sunday. Cannot wait to go on this journey again with you. And please hit us up. 
Let us know what your Sunday concoction is that gets you through either Saturday college football elation, Saturday college football depression, or in my case, after a 16-hour Saturday, Sunday stupids. Whatever your ailment is on Sunday, come share it with us here on Sunday Bloody Sunday on the Matt Berry Show on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. Cheers. As I live and breathe, the first Sunday morning after here on the Matt Berry Show on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel, we've talked all offseason about the football. Now, Paul Feinbaum, we actually get to talk about the football. Now, big picture, I want to start here. Overall, I don't think the games Saturday were that great. There was a lot of blowouts out there, but still, we had a pretty damn good jumping off point to start the football season. Yeah, no, Matt, I, I would say in, in all the times that we've been doing this, it was it was the most uh, uninteresting opening weekend, and 80 to 99% of the oxygen was on Dion, which is perfectly all right, because there really was, other than some just stupefying upsets uh, with games that really didn't matter all that much, uh, everything else went pretty much according to plan. So let's start there. You're right, because look – doubt coach prime at your own peril because he will get into a post-game press conference and he will remind you of that like he did all day yesterday i said it on college football final that is peak Dion. he high stepped throughout his entire career and he high stepped his way into that press conference after beating uh tcu there were three touchdown underdogs and they did what they had to do four receivers over 100 yards shadora school record but paul here's what i find interesting about how things aligned for colorado and and, and prime they owned a Saturday where there was nothing to own, and they were the early kickoff. So from early kickoff through 3.30 p.m. Eastern through the end of the night, Paul, they were the story, and they're going to continue now to be the story. They, they are, and, and and that's really – that's been the uh, embodiment of uh, Prime's career. And, 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 Matt, I know a lot of people are shocked, uh, and, and I was too, but I shouldn't have been uh, because I, I forgot the most important element. It was Deion Sanders in, in Colorado wasn't the key to this game. It was just accepting the fact that whenever TCU has the stage to itself, they embarrass themselves. Yeah, I, look, I'm not going to sit here and argue with that because we were watching that, and I get the opportunity now to watch uh, college football for 16 hours on Saturdays with Dan Mullen. And as you know – when you're around a coach watching football, it's completely different than any other experience because they will see things right away and point to it. And then that makes me see it right away and point to it. And he said early on, he's like, wow, TCU is not the same team defensively. They are lost. They're slow. They've got to figure this thing out. And here's how I want to say this. You can't not give Colorado – Coach Prime and those players credit. You can't. Their stars were playing at FCS last year, and they dominated in their first FBS game. I don't know that the 17 attached to TCU is appropriate based on what we saw. Not taking anything away from Colorado, but I don't know that TCU is the 17th best team in the country. And, and it, listen, I think we both have equal respect for Sonny Dykes, but the real problem now, Matt, is that you know, in these two major events, the the 65 to the seven beat down that nobody will ever forget. And what we saw, they, they carry this now around their neck. I mean, that they, they just can't handle uh, the big stage, even though we know that's not true. They beat Michigan in the right. semifinal. They did, uh, but you know, they lost the championship game, but it, it will haunt them. And and quite frankly, I, I don't want to hear about TCU anymore this season. 
Yeah, I don't think you will because they were primes first at his new job. I got a buddy of mine, a good buddy of mine is a TCU alum. I was like, dude, the last thing you wanted to do was be Deion Sanders first. And he did it all to himself and a, a stage all to himself. And as we move forward, we were doing some research on live television real time last night. So at some point last week, Paul, I don't know the day, forgive me. Nebraska was an eight and a half point favorite against Colorado. By the time I got on TV last night, it had moved to one and a half. If they win, like the hype was their preseason. Hype is here now. If they get through Nebraska and go 2-0, and oh, God save the television networks and cameras for Dion. And Matt, help me with something because I, I, I watched the end of the game Thursday night. Um, and I, I thought Colorado uh, – I mean, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Thursday night uh, when Minnesota yeah. was playing Nebraska. I, I thought Nebraska made a coaching change. Why was Scott Frost coaching at the end of that game? Because it, it did not look any different than what we saw last year. It was so heartbreaking to watch because we know, because we've been in this industry and covered it for such a long time, especially college football, we know the heartache that happens in this sport. I still have scar tissue from the Rose Bowl in 1997 with Arizona State and Ohio State. We know this. But the fact that Nebraska fans had to have a game stripped from them literally in the final couple of minutes to go through that again after going through it during the Scott Frost era to now have to take it against an old classic rival in Colorado and the spotlight, which by the way, Paul, guess what? It's the noon Eastern kick next Saturday. This is just fascinating how we collide into this. Yeah, no, and and, and it, it it's I mean you just have to give him so much uh, credit uh, and 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 forget Prime for a second. I mean his players. I mean his, his son uh, Travis Hunter. I mean I, I looked at something today and Matt. We don't have time to waste even criticize the idea that there's a Heisman list uh, before Labor Day, but. Of course, Travis Hunter was at the top of the Heisman list and Sanders was second, but that's fine. Uh, it just shows you what what he does and what he means to a program. And you can get all these other guys uh, and you can run your team off. But if you have superstars and he does, uh, it matters. Here's another one for you. I'll peel behind the curtain for the viewers here in the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. Then we'll move on. We're sitting there and we're watching the game. We're doing our prep for the show yesterday. And this Dylan Edwards kid just keeps going off screen pass, 75 yards, run, run. We all sit there because we know Shador. We know Travis Hunter. Those are the guys. We sit there. We're like, who the hell is this Dylan Edwards kid? Start digging in, doing some research. Four-star freshman. Dion got in recruit. He's from Kansas. Here's the scary part. We know in college football that a coach instilling belief in his team is probably 90% of the battle, right? Mm -hmm. If they start to believe and there's recruits around the country that would otherwise look at Tuscaloosa, look at LSU, look at Georgia, look at, and he starts getting kids to believe. Who knows what could happen? And and I'm I'm trying. I, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, Travis Etienne uh, tweeted. Did you see that uh, to his about his yeah. brother? He's uh, his brother plays for for Florida. Play Napier, Florida. Yeah. He said, hey, bro, maybe you ought to consider Prime. And, I mean, that's the kind of thing that can create an epidemic. 
Uh, I mean, I was just uh, literally flying yesterday and I saw that tweet zip through my eyes and that's why I couldn't even remember it for a second. But uh, I mean, when when you got a, a big time player like that tweeting his brother as opposed to texting him, uh, I mean, that 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 sets off alarm bells. And we, we can say Florida for some other time. But I, I just thought that was that that just showed you how these things can happen in real time. You know, I, I did want to dive into Florida. Maybe we will at the end of this, but I want to I want to focus more on Saturday because there's couple of other things I wanted to dive into and specifically kind of a new beginning. We talked about the new beginning for Colorado and Dion was great. I want to talk about new beginnings uh, with a couple of quarterbacks at some of the SEC schools. Carson back at Georgia, uh, highly touted. I think they kind of slept walked their way through their game. They got the win as they should. Brock Bowers is Brock Bowers. Um, so we don't need to dive in on them too much. They did what they had to do. Here's the one that I want to stick with with you. Because we had talked at length about Nick Saban and, and what they were going to do with their quarterback situation. Paul, Jalen Milrow showed up yesterday, and I know it was against Middle Tennessee State, but he did some things physically that we haven't seen an Alabama quarterback do ever. Yeah, and we could have been uh, in, in in deep depression today talking about Alabama, but instead the optimism is literally through the roof after what we saw yesterday by, by Milrow. And I, I'm always hesitant to jump too much into it, but it was live competition. It was much easier than the competition that he's been dealing with in scrimmages so far, and you, you could see it. I mean, he, he – he looked like a, 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 a free man in Paris yesterday. Uh, not everything he did was perfect, but most of what he did was. And he he clearly has established himself as the guy. And, and really, I'm not overly concerned about what's behind him because he gets the start against Texas. And I, I think uh, those who were predicting you know bad bad tidings for, for Alabama are now switching maybe too quickly, but they're switching nevertheless. Yeah, because you see him and he had that that highlight that we that we ran, drops the snap, fumbles yeah. it a little yeah. bit, what picks play. it up. It was Alabama typically didn't they have those guys playing receiver and running back. And then just when you think the kid can just he's a nice runner, he's an athletic runner, he starts throwing seeds about 40 yards down the field. And the question mark we had was Who's going to be the guy that grabs the reins going into week two at Texas? I now think Alabama goes into that game with their chest up and out yep. saying, this is our guy, prove to us otherwise. And the key that you hear people like Dan Mullen and quarterbacks talk about, you know, you, you, somebody needs to be a leader, but you can't be a leader until you do something. He's done it. Yeah. Uh, and for Buckner and Ty Simpson and all these other, you know, the fourth string quarterback, which we heard way too much about three weeks ago, forget it. Uh, we, I think you're going to see that team rally around him. Is it, is it a false flag? I, I'll, I'll let you know in a week. Uh, but it's, it's, it's momentum. And I, I think Alabama needed it because this has been kind of a, uh, you know, but, but it's been a bit, a bit of a rough soft season. And now you're going to hear Alabama fans calling that, that, that crazy showdown South that, uh, we, we love, uh, Paul, that's why Nick Saban's been smiling all along. He knew it by the way. He did not know it. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he hoped, but there's nobody knew it because I have friends who were at practice all last week and they didn't see it from anyone. That was, see, that was good when I follow up. And you, you and I have done this long enough. We're almost in sync brain wise, which is kind of scary for the rest of the country. But I wondered if Saban was playing possum with this 
or yesterday was really the birth of the next Alabama. Like, oh, hell, we got to deal with that now. Well, I th- I think he was hopeful, but I don't think there's I don't think there's any way he could have seen it, Matt, because in in scrimmages, the quarterback's off limits. So you really don't know. Uh, I mean, you you know that he's challenged or had been challenged in in the passing game. That's been proven time and time again. And I kept hearing that. And I think there was also a a bias against Milrow. Uh, it was just, you know, he had a bad game last year yeah. against Texas A&M and it just would not go away. And I think people were were eager. I mean, eager to see him supplanted and now not happening. Segue, segue, because you mentioned this game against Texas A&M. Texas A&M got their start yesterday. Jimbo Fisher, year six. Bobby Petrino, offensive coordinator, 52 to 10, the win there. Connor Wegman, five touchdown passes, um, at least for a night. Everything was smiles. Everything was cakes and pies. Wegman looked the part, command of the offense. I even thought Max Johnson in his limited time in there looked pretty good. And I say this because last year we all are aware of what happened against Appalachian State. They couldn't get them out of the way. They couldn't even beat them. But Texas A&M did what they had to do in a season opener, Paul, which is take an inferior opponent, grab them by the horse collar, get them out of their stadium with a big win. And you're already hearing fans say, I saw the difference between (laughs) Jimbo Fisher plays and Bobby Petrino plays. Listen, I mean, maybe Dan sitting there watching last night can tell I'm not sophisticated enough. But it did look a lot better. And, and I think an, another program needed confidence because, I mean, they have a game this week that most are going to predict them to win. Yeah. Uh, but the other side is is starving, too. Uh, so it you do need a little confidence. But, but Matt, I warn everyone, don't ever read too much into that first game. Yeah, and I don't know. Look, Miami won impressively. Uh, they beat an inferior opponent as well, which, by the way, Talking to Mario Cristobal, he'll tell you the biggest problem year one is that we would take these teams and mess around with them that didn't belong in our field, and sometimes they would beat us, and sometimes they would hang around too long. So they did what they had to do in their game. But I I agree. I think week two with these two teams meeting up that you hit on it perfectly. They are starving for a breakthrough. I find week two to be fascinating. We'll get to it next week, but you're right. Week one, Miami took care of business. Texas A&M took care of business put them together on the field and see what everybody's got. Now, I want to move over to the Big Ten because there's a couple of things I want to get to. (laughs) Let's start with the absolute embarrassment that's Michigan acting like Jim Harbaugh died. Can we (laughs) stop with the moment of the I formations, the fours up in the air? Look, three-game suspension for allegedly fibbing to the NCAA. Let's let's quit acting like the guy's in a hospital waiting to break out and coach. Yeah, and, and this isn't a case where the NCAA uh, forbid a star for North Carolina or or LSU from playing in a game. This this was agreed upon. This was self-imposed. Uh, <laughs> so, so, I mean, Michigan fans, I realize you're, you know, you live in a different world up there uh, in, in Southern Canada, but the, the point being, uh, talk to your, talk to your athletic director, talk to your president. Those are the, those are the, those are the cats that came up with that idea. The free Jim Harbaugh shirt that McCarthy was wearing, like they had fun with it. He and Blake Corman, the post game press conference, but it was almost getting funny. It was like we were doing a fundraiser for Harbaugh that that you just didn't know that he was okay. It's like, man, the guy's sitting at home watching the game. We're good. Now, Michigan was I also – I think that's not a bad – it may not be a bad idea in the future just to leave Jim Harbaugh home on Saturday. <laughs> 
just let him just let him text message his uh, coaching tidbits from the sidelines. But they got the win yesterday. We're not surprised by that. J.J. McCarthy looked good. Blake Corum looked good. Roman Wilson looked good. We've said it at length here on this show. Michigan coming into the season, not too many question marks, which is why they're one of the teams we're looking at as a college football playoff contender out of the Big Ten. But we thought that, too, about Ohio State. And that was a team on Saturday. They elected to start Kyle McCord. And I sit there with Galloway. I have so for five, six years. You want to talk about a team that's loaded with five-star talent, NFL talent. They just couldn't get it going against Indiana. No, that reminded me of some of their games last year. Uh, I think it was the Northwestern game, another game. They just they just literally are, are zoned out. And I, I, I can't explain it. Uh, that, that should have been a game that – you pretty fired up to play a, a road game to a big ten, a, a semi big ten, ten opponent on the first Saturday of the year, uh, but they didn't. Uh, they, they they were they were a no show, even though they got a win. Yeah, Kyle, we'll see what he does there. Devin Brown, Kyle McCord, the quarterbacks that are that are vying for that job, and in the stats, I think the two stars. I want to say Marvin Harrison Jr. only had two catches for less than 20 yards. Emeka Buka had three catches for 20-something yards. Paul, you and I both know, having not played college football, but we can tell you, you have star receivers that aren't getting the ball. Star receivers aren't one to just kind of sit down and let that happen. Especially future number one draft choices. Yeah, so keep an eye on the Ohio State situation. Every coach tell you a win is a win is a win. We get that, but when you've got a team that's got NFL talent and playoff aspirations. They're going to need to get that thing going a little bit. All right, Paul, we'll get you out of here on a couple of these. First one, put you on the spot. Who is the most disappointing from Thursday night start through the end of the first Saturday in college football? Who to you was the most disappointing and why? I'm going to get to South Carolina in a minute, uh, but to me, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm not including Baylor and games like Texas Tech, you know, those crazy upsets. But uh, I came away from Florida just baffled. Uh, I, I, I've been told in the offseason, I wasn't expecting them to be a great team, but I, I just expected them to look well coached, organized, and everything they did was to hand Utah a game. And Utah, Matt, was about as shorthanded as they could be. Right. Uh, without 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 a, a star quarterback, a, a star tight end, defensive players. I realized they were playing at home, and uh, it, a week from two weeks from now, we'll be talking about Tennessee, Florida, and and that will clear up everything that I'm I'm about to say. But but Billy Napier continues to underwhelm as a head coach at Florida. That is now what uh, 14 games into his tenure, it looked like his first game. He looked clueless at times. Yeah, but Tim Tebow did tell me uh, uh, Friday afternoon that, that he was encouraged that the Gators did not quit. Oh, that, that, that is good. I mean, that, that's something you want to see there. They're new number 15 at quarterback Graham Mertz, as long as the old 15 says they didn't quit. But there were some puzzling things, Paul. On special teams, <laughs> and, and, and Mullen was steadfast on this, and so was Acho, who I was with on Thursday night. They said that when you have – they had two number threes out there, which gave <laughs> – Utah first down, which started the momentum. I was like, man, that special teams coach is in trouble. Both of them said, hell with that. That's on the head coach to know the numbers on special teams. That's you walk through that every single week. 
It was little things like that that made no sense. Yeah, no, and that that will haunt because they 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 were not out of that game when, when that happened, and that completely blew the game open. And uh, I, there's just nothing he says that 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 really uh, is compelling. And you know, he said, "Yeah, I saw a lot of good things." No, he didn't see a lot of good things. I mean, just go out. There. I mean, I don't mind a coach who goes up there and just takes responsibility that says, "I blew it. It won't happen again." I mean, give the Tim Tebow promise speech. Just don't go in there and sound like a high school gym teacher. Yeah, and they couldn't run the ball. I mean, it, you oh know, man, I mean they they couldn't do anything. And, and we heard a lot about their running attack. Yeah, and they could ETN back. We'll run. We'll call that back. ETN was one of the guys that they thought maybe would get off this year. And I don't, I don't want to pick on the player, but Graham Mertz was a guy that came out of high school highly touted. But I just didn't think from the jump with that decision to go to Florida. Paul, I never thought that that fit when I saw it. I'm like, I kind of know what Billy wants to do on offense. And I just don't know that Graham fits what he's trying to do. There's just something with the fit there that didn't, to me, that doesn't sync up. You know, things were in trouble when I heard from fans Friday, but, but Hey, you, you don't realize how well we're recruiting. Well, good luck. Uh, we have not seen anybody sign a, a letter of intent yet. Uh, so I mean, that, that, that was Florida. The other one, Matt, uh, was, uh, Saturday night in Charlotte yeah. all season long. I've been hearing about how this momentum from beating Tennessee and beating Clemson and, the Gamecocks just laid an egg. I mean, they were they were manhandled. And give Gene Chizik credit. He, oh his, my gosh, his defense has been out 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 to out to out to lunch for a year or two. But I mean, he brought it, and uh, that looked like the Gene Chizik that was part of Mac Brown's national championship team uh, many many years ago. Uh, it, it was brilliant to watch. What was so fascinating about that game was how I I mean, North Carolina, uh, the standard bearer of the ACC and I, and there were uh, somebody sent me a, a audio this morning of, of Carolina fans chanting SEC, SEC, because uh, th- there was a screenshot of, of, of Bubba Cunningham talking to Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, Bubba's the, the athletic director. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there is such a, ch- such a, a fissure right now in the ACC amount. I know this is, we're reacting to games, but I, I just want to congratulate the ACC for essentially voting out Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State. Because after what happened Friday uh, with the admission of SMU, Cal, and Stanford, they have essentially uh, given those three a ticket out. Uh, that league, which was already teetering toward irrelevancy, is has just taken on three schools that devalue an already – uh, discounted product even more, and and that that league is just heading toward the iceberg, which is sad because we saw the Pac-12, who I believe top to bottom could be the most entertaining conference in college football. This side of the SEC, they're doing the same thing. They've got all the star power there: Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr. It's a really good league. Colorado now with Dion and and you're right. I mean, this thing isn't over. This realignment, uh, as you put it, Titanic is not over. Um, and with regards to the game and Gene Chizik, I'm with you because I think they had eight or nine sacks. South Carolina's offensive line could not hold them. If North Carolina has a defense, look out. Rest of the uh, ACC, 
Spencer Rattler was good statistically, but couldn't get anything going. People didn't consider the stuff that South Carolina lost in the transfer portal. Star running back to USC out left, star player, pocket knife guy that we'll see tonight, Sunday night for Florida State. And Paul, it 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 didn't look as if South Carolina had the guys, the dudes to hang out with North Carolina. And that is a problem with what's coming on the Gamecock schedule. Yeah, not to not to ruin the uh, bloody merry morning for Gamecock Nation even more. I mean, you do have Darius Rucker. Uh, he won the musical part of the day, but two weeks from yesterday, they go to Athens. And I, I good luck to people trying to build that up. Oh, you know, these two teams when they meet, uh, no. No, uh, South Carolina, South Carolina, just go in there and, and, and hope that hope that Kirby Smart's in, in, in a in a good mood, not a bad mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brock Bowers, he's probably going to want to get us some stats up that game. That yeah, typically that game, you're right. People, when I was in Columbia, I mean, give Steve Spurrier credit because he had an inferior team and he would hang with them between the hedges and had to find a way to do that all the time. DJ Shockley was a quarterback. Blake Mitchell, and you're thinking, wait a second, this is going to be a game, and it was. But that that look. End of the day, what we saw to South Carolina, they've got a lot of work to do before they get to Georgia, uh, who got their win yesterday. So that's the biggest disappointment week one. Uh, who impressed you most? Biggest surprise, kind of your your big picture. Hey, this was fun to watch. They looked really good. Well, uh, Alabama. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I, th- I think they were uh, the team that, that looked like some of the fans were predicting, but I just did not expect uh, to see them as crisp. And while I'm praising them, I I don't want to go too far. I mean, and obviously we already talked about Colorado, but that's, that's an obvious, but, but to me, I just felt better about the Crimson Tide. Uh, A lot of people have put them in the playoffs and what they showed yesterday, uh, they could have dogged it easily. Yeah. They could say, Hey, we, you know, we, can, we don't need to do anything, but the, I, in fact, I think Nick Saban felt like they did need to do something, and, and that's exactly what they did. And if we're sitting here a week from today talking about Alabama beating Texas, I think you can point back to uh, a mop-up game, uh, a, a cupcake game that actually helped them a lot. I think you find out more about teams and who they are as a locker room and who they are as a unit when they play teams that they should beat the hell out of, and they beat the hell out of them. You don't want a team that lets an inferior opponent hang around because that shows uh, a crack here and there in the team's attention to get out there and beat a team that they should. And I think a lot of the powers did that yesterday. I think for me, uh, the biggest disappointment, I'm with you. I was shocked at Florida. I thought they would come out in year two and maybe have that that big punch. Uh, they just looked listless towards the end. And for me, the biggest, not surprise or, or, or pleasure to watch, because you're right, we talked about Colorado, but I'm here to tell you, I said this in the preseason, I'm going to consistently consistently stay with it now. If Joe Milton mm-hmm. channels all of that athleticism, we saw them do it yesterday, Virginia's going through some stuff. I'm t- Heupel, if he keeps recruiting, and if huh. Milton stays anywhere near what he's capable of, you have got to take Tennessee seriously because that kid is athletic as a player and a quarterback that we have in the game. Yeah, Hypo, because uh, uh, I was in Nashville, Hypo was at a high school game Friday night looking at uh, the top prospect in the state. And, I mean, he, he's got it going. And, Matt, I, it's a cliche, 
Oh, he's a player's coach. But I, I don't know if I've ever seen a player, more of a player's coach than Josh Heupel. I mean, he just relates to those guys. He's yeah. so uh, unconventional. And, you know, I think it really, you know, he's, he's, everybody's, a, a lot of young coaches are still connected to their past, but he represents, uh, he's tw- it's been 20 years, a little more than 20 years, but he, he could, be, he, he could be like, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of the guy that showed up for college at 40. I mean, he, 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 he could fit in that locker room as a player, as well as a head coach. Josh Heupel, this decade's Van Wilder. Yeah. yeah. And here's the other thing. I will believe it with this. Now that all of the Jeremy Pruitt past has been sanctioned down and Tennessee now has that in front of them, now that you can move on from that, Tennessee being back, if they are in fact back, is good for the sport because they're one of those food group brands. That's why I'm excited about Florida State. That's why I'm hoping Miami gets to that point. Lincoln Riley resuscitating USC. We think Matt Rule will get it there with Nebraska. But all in all, on a blowout Saturday, some storylines you can pick and prod heading into week two. This was fun. Our first recap, Paul. Looking forward to doing it again next week. Thank you, Matt. And and next week, we'll have some meaty games to discuss. Who doesn't love meat and some protein on a Sunday morning? This has been the Matt Berry YouTube show on the College Football YouTube channel.